Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 124. As Anthony and I are here to entertain you, talk a little sports and what's going on in the world, probably, because you never know what we're going to talk about. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. So uh, thanks for uh, downloading, tuning us in, whatever the the right phrase may be. Uh, Let me bring in my partner, Anthony, and uh, just say hello. How you doing, my friend? Great. It's nice to be back. And uh, we have a lot of sports concluding, a lot of sports getting ramped up. And uh, hopefully, uh, as we head into Christmas and the new year, we can start inching closer to a uh, more normal sports season. And hopefully everything goes off without a hitch compared to last year. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's a lot going on in the world. Obviously, the vaccines are now um, being used throughout the world. Uh, I know UK was first. The United Mm -hmm. States came a week later. And uh, Madura has just been approved. So Mahoney County should get their first batch next week. So, yeah, these are all positives. And it's it's a wonderful thing. And uh, the numbers are what they are. Uh, they're disgusting. They're wrong. They, they're pathetic. Uh, we failed as a government. We failed as a country. And hopefully uh, we'll move forward from this and learn uh, from our uh, terrible mistakes. Uh, you know, not to get on a, a uh, you know, a bad subject, but 310,000 deaths. Enough said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to grow even bigger. So uh, you but, you believe, know, go ahead, Anthony. You know, I like you said, not to get on the uh, political rant and not to get on the, you know, soapbox again about this. You know who's not dead yet? Talk to me. Your Cleveland Browns. No, they're not. No, I they're mean, not. Usually this time of year, December, you're talking about draft prospects and yeah. uh, who do you want in one, two, or three, or, you it's, know, who do you want there? And it's like, uh, wait you know, a minute. It is a different December in Berea this year. You know, it's um, odd. Yeah, December of Bria every year meant firing the coach, firing yep. the GM, and starting over. Uh, you know, making changes and uh, getting ready for potential draft and trying to find a quarterback. And uh, but as crazy as the last thirty six months have been for the Browns, uh, they're showing the strengths of a as an organization where they've made some quality decisions over that time period. They've gathered a lot of talent, and some of that talent is now rising to the level necessary to win ball games. Uh, I won't say they're the best team in the AFC. I won't even call them the best team in the AFC North because they're not. However, mm-hmm. are they a competitive team? Are they a team that can make the playoffs? Are they a team that can win a game in the playoffs? And I think the answer to all those questions is yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, that, we'll talk about the Browns right off the at the start why not because it's been a um you know it's been fun i mean i'm uh, you're talking about basically 20 years of fertility uh one playoff uh appearance back in 2002 since then it's been uh you know a desert it's just been Mm -hmm. you know like moses in the desert just trying to find a way out and a lot of coaches a lot of gms a lot of uh philosophies have come and gone um but you know, I will say this, and there's been mistakes along the way, but the turnaround in the Browns began when John Dorsey became the GM about three years ago. Actually, maybe only two years ago. Now. Well, about three, I guess it was, uh, in December. 
because th- they actually had a direction for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the, the decision by Haslam to keep uh, Hugh Jackson an extra year was ridiculous, but that's needless to say, that was one of the problems that they had uh, with that was just the Miranda going on. They just had no idea what they were going to do from what the left hand and the right hand was going to do. Finally, he let Dorsey make some decisions and he brought in a very good draft class a couple times. Uh, some of them good, some of them bad. He made a couple big trades along the way and uh, the trades have worked out for the most part and the signings have worked out. And then you look at, you know, last year when the team fell apart under Freddie Kitchens and that cost him his job, they went back to the well and, you know, we talked about it a lot on this podcast about Paul De Potesta having uh, the authority necessary to run an organization or at least put his blueprint on an organization and, and finding quality people to lead the Cleveland Browns. And all of a sudden, you know, one hiring leads to the next hiring and a draft class, a good draft class, some nice free agent signings. You add it to the talent that you brought in from the previous year. And all of a sudden you have a team that has the ability to win ball games and they've done that. And, you know, you can snicker all you want about the schedule. It's an NFL schedule. You have no control over that. It's, it's a, it's a yearly, uh, yearly thing that goes through this system. It, it is a setup where you play two divisional games every year against divisional opponents. There's six games. You're going to play equal talent to where you finish versus the other two divisions in the league. In, or in the in the AFC, and then you're going to play a full division from the uh, NFC, and that's exactly what happens every year. And it just it rotates. And this year, you know, we had the NFC East, which was a, a you know, joke. A, you know, just a good timing. If you're going to face a, a bad division, face a bad division and yeah. take advantage of it. And this Sunday, you know, the Browns are going to have an opportunity to sweep. Uh, the NFC East, which was be it's a huge advantage. That's how you win ball. It's how you add W's to your column. The two easiest ways to add W's to your column in the NFL is to win your division, meaning have a winning record, a five and one or better in your division, like the Steelers do. Or mm-hmm. you then, if you don't, you got to be like a 500 team in your division. And the Browns are a little under that right now but they still have the Steelers. So they have that opportunity to finish three and three in the division. And then you dominate the other teams you're facing in either in the, the Southwest or the Southeast division, wherever the hell it's called. And then uh, the West and uh, the NFC East, you know, and they took advantage of it. They, they got, they got a couple games against the AFC East still to come. They got the jets following week. So the, the schedule's there for them to win 11, 12 games. And you look at it by quarters, this year at the Browns, they've been three and one every quarter, you know, and right now they're, they're sitting good at 11 and four, or excuse me, at nine and four. Uh, it makes me happy. It makes me, uh, you know, I, you can talk about the math and all this. They're just playing good football. Uh, last son, last Monday was a heartbreaking game. Um, I agree with uh, Stefanski. There's no such thing as a moral victory. You, as a fan, can take the moral victory because, you know, it's been a long time since you competed and been on a Monday night football game and been the uh, the stars of the NFL, and you'll be again this Sunday against the Giants. Um, however, 
um, you know, you have to make plays to win ball games. And as much as it pains me to say this, the Ravens made a few more plays than the Browns did and won the ball game. They converted when they needed to. Uh, Lamar Jackson just, you know, became Superman coming back into the ball game, finding the open receiver and, and, and really putting them in position to score and then getting the ball back with a minute left, making plays again to get in a field goal range for the best kicker in football. So uh, the game is a game of interest in a lot of ways. And there's a game of, you know, a feet and yardage and, but there's a lot to take out of that game. They got down 14 points a couple times and they made comebacks. And I mean, that's, that's encouraging. And uh, you know, Chubb is showing why he's the best back in, in the NFL right now. And, and Hunt is showing why he's the best number two back in the NFL right now. And, you know, what Hunt made in that catch down the sidelines was huge. It just shows you how much they miss, you know, OBJ, uh, you know, Beckham's missed in this lineup. They don't have a breakaway receiver, uh, a sure-handed guy. And, you know, Hunt gives them another option out there, and it, and it worked. And I think one thing we can say pretty effectively now that we've gone through 13 weeks of the NFL, or at least the Browns have gone 13 or 14 weeks mm-hmm. in the NFL, like most teams now, um, Stevens, Kevin Stefanski is a good play caller, and he understands – Yes his opponents and he tries to take advantage of opportunities in front of him. Uh, he's not a hundred percent every time he'll tell you that. And he admits to that. And I, and there's times I looked at it, you know, freaky, but uh, you look at the beginning of the game, the first drive of that ball game, I don't know if you've seen it or not, Anthony, but he called for like two, maybe three screens in that ball game on that first drive. And it set up that drive perfectly. I mean, the Browns traditionally <laughs> since they've come back have not been very successful a screenplay team, but they were, you know, last Monday and, you know, Baker Mayfield got caught on fire and did a great job. And, you know, um, it was just a fun game to watch. It was disappointing ending, but like I said, you have to make plays. If you're on defense, you got to make plays. I will say this before we go any further, the one cliche that a lot of fans and sports talk host and, people will talk about all the time is they score too soon. That's total bullshit. I agree with that hundred percent. I agree with that hundred percent. Football is, is made up of three phases as our friend Matt Emsch loves to talk about. It's about offense, defense, and special teams. And you have to make plays on all three yep. levels. Now you do. the Brown, they took over at their own 25 yard line with a minute four left. The defense has to make plays. Yep. And if the defense doesn't make a play and it comes down to the special team, the special team has to make a play. Guess what? Give the Ravens credit. They made plays to get themselves in position. And, you know, Tucker's the best field goal kicker in the NFL, and he hit a 55-yarder to beat you at the end of the ball game. Yeah. I mean, it, but the guts, the grits of the of this uh, Browns team, was it was phenomenal to watch. Yeah, the – um, I really like the system. Um, and maybe I'm being biased because uh, the Broncos have had success with it to the tune of three Super Bowls. Uh, Notre Dame has adapted that this year and has shown a stronger run game and identity up front. I really like the zone blocking scheme. I, it, it takes the pressure, in my opinion, off your quarterback every single play 
of having to hit the home run. And I think that's where Baker got in trouble the last couple of years is he felt he had to hit the home run. And instead, it's okay to, like you said, hit the screens, take your 10, 15-yard passes. And from there, makes you want a strong run game. Then the shots open up downfield. And I think you're seeing that this year, even though the loss of Beckham is noticeable, uh, Mayfield looks very comfortable. And this is uh, like he found the perfect system in college at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops. This is a perfect system for him in the NFL. Yeah. Um, he gets out of the pocket on the perimeter, making plays with his legs. Uh, he has a strong arm. So I think this has been a, a great marriage. Yeah. This offense, they, you know, the zone blocking yes. Shanahan style offense, mm-hmm. you know, that. Papa Shanahan was very famous yep. for, and Kyle is today. Uh, you can see the ingrounds of where it works. You look at like let's let's mm-hmm. look at the Minnesota Vikings. You know where Stefanski came from, where um, Kubiak is at now. Yes, uh, who ran this offense behind John Elway years ago, and also was the head coach in the last Super Bowl mm-hmm. team for the for the Broncos. Uh, you look at what that team, how that team has performed since Delvin Cook came back. And it shows you how important a running back is in that system. Yep. Um, they've had other backs do well in the process that back him up when Cook was out for a while. And, you know, they had some good games, but they weren't Delvin Cook, who's that exceptional running back. You look in Cleveland, the same thing. When Chubb was out, Hunt did a phenomenal job filling mm-hmm. in, but he's not Chubb. No. But you see how the offense also adapted and was able to weather the storm when, when Chubb was not there. So, yeah, this offense that they're running, are the Browns exceptional at the run more than most teams? Yes. Um, not surprising. You know, you go back to the Broncos' heyday when, when mm-hmm. LA won back-to-back championships. They had – a running back run for 2000 yards that year, you yep. know, and, they did, you know, and these are the things uh, that matter. You look, you know, here's a really interesting thought that of a comparison, you know, we talked about Baker Mayfield and I, and I was the first to say, you know, maybe he's just an average quarterback at best, you know, a C plus quarterback. Yes. And you need a yep. B plus guy. Now he's been playing a lot better the last uh, two, three weeks. And I want to give him credit where credit is due. And you look at what Kyle Shanahan brought to Atlanta five years ago or four years ago when they made that Mm -hmm. big run, Matt Ryan had his best career year. Yes, he did. And since he's left, Matt Ryan has floundered to the point that they had to fire the coach this year. And now you look at, you look at the 49ers who's had quarterback problems because of injuries and where they're at. They're getting better, but they that the, the injuries to Jimmy G has really hurt them. You know, they were a Super Bowl bound team, you know, and now they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Kirk Cousin, what he does in Minnesota, uh, reminds me of what Baker Mayfield could be here in Cleveland. Um, I don't think anyone would consider uh Kirk Cousin a a superstar quarterback, but I think you would call him a good quarterback, a, a second tier quarterback, a guy who's a B, B plus on his best days and may have a couple of A games in him throughout the season. 
and he'll have mm-hmm. his C's, he'll have his clunkers along the way. But for the most part, if you give him the opportunity to succeed, he's done it both at Washington and Minnesota. And you look how, you know, Minnesota got off to a one and five start. And then you look at what they have achieved in the last, you know, five weeks. Uh, I mean, last week they, they, they couldn't, they didn't have a kicker, but uh, you know, you look at what, how well they've played. And obviously the return of Delvin cook made a big deal to them. But my point is this offense, as you're talked about has success in the NFL. And the reason it has it, it goes back to the basics where knowing that on first down or second down, if you throw it, let's say you throw it incomplete on first down, you know, if you run the ball, there's a good chance you can get anywhere between two to five yards on a normal carry. Not saying you're going to get five yards or, or you may get more, uh, but you know, you can definitely make it now third and eight or third and seven, third and six, mm-hmm. and make, give yourself a really good opportunity for different plays to use to, uh, to succeed. And I think that's the key for the Browns is to try not put themselves in, in situations where they're third and 10, third and 12, third and 15, where, or a penalty pushes them back mm-hmm. deep. Uh, they've been very successful, you know, the last couple of weeks offensively keeping out of those long distance yardage. And if they have been managing it, sometimes you get the first down, sometimes you just get five or six yards and put the ball away, but you manage it. And I think that's where the Browns right now are successful. If they can manage a ball game properly, they put themselves in opportunity to win. The defense has the struggles because it has really a defensive back, a whole a whole secondary that quite honestly should not be playing in the NFL. They should be backups or not playing at all because of injuries and lack of depth. This is what you have. Um, They are who they are, you know, to use that, that simple thing and teams are going to take advantage of it. And even a quarterback like Jackson could take advantage of it. Who's known for his legs uh, could pull up and throw a dart for a first down. If, uh, a guy breaks wide open and you know, he did late in the ball game. Uh, you have to make plays, you know, like towards the end of that game on, on Monday night, I, I kept saying, you know, when McSurley was in before he got injured, I said, this is where, you know, I hate I put all the pressure on one guy, but miles Garrett has to come up with a big sack here or a turnover. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it didn't happen. And I'm not blaming him. I'm just stating it. You knew, for the Browns to succeed, they had to stop him there. And the best player on that defense is Miles Garrett. So you, you're mm-hmm. hoping that he'll make the play. Because uh, the linebackers are growing and getting better, but they're not they're not well, a high they're caliber. Throwing, yeah. yeah, they're not a high caliber group. The secondary is a joke. Uh, your defensive line is what makes that defense any good. So, you know, I mean, I like the Browns where they're at. I think they're good. I think, you know, they're running into a perfect scenario here. On uh, Sunday night, the quarterback for for uh, New York is going to be out, and uh, Jason Garrett caught COVID, and Freddie Kitchens is going to be calling plays for the New York Giants, and Col- Colt McCoy will be the quarterback. It's funny how the sports world comes full circle, isn't it? It's like the circle of life in football. Yeah, you know, I called it. I was on Twitter today, and, and I and I mentioned this. I said, I go, it's it's the football gods have a, a great sense of humor and timing. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. The sports gods have a weird sense of humor. I, I swear to God, because if you told me 
three weeks ago or four weeks ago that this game would be moved from a Sunday afternoon game to a Sunday night game and that New York would lose their quarterback and Colt McCoy would be their quarterback and they would lose their offensive coordinator to an illness and Freddie Kitchen would then be their new offensive coordinator for the game. I'd be like, you're nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, to use that stupid phrase, it's, it's, it's perfect for 2020. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, uh, uh, speaking of, and I don't mean to get off the Browns, but uh, speaking of COVID, uh, did you see the rumors out of Columbus today? Not surprising. I mean, they've been fighting it for the last two, three weeks, Anthony. And, uh, you know. Now, here's my. Yeah, go ahead. Now, here's my question, because uh, let's be honest. If the game is played Saturday, which by all accounts, uh, they practice today, I believe will fly out tonight to Indianapolis. I think is what I read. Um, if it's Olave or Wilson or any other receiver, they're still going to smash Northwestern. I mean, that they'll punish them with the run game. Fields is still fields. Um, here's where, you know, the old saying is, you know, and I'll use this, where Tom Brady made his receivers better. Uh, Peyton Manning made his receivers better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson for the past couple of years has not had great receivers. They've had good ones, but not great ones. Uh, Justin Fields will make you better. I mean, he could throw to you and I, and uh, he'd, he'd make us better. Um, I think Ohio State's defense is starting to come into their own. Um, but here's my question, though, because I heard from somebody today, if, if they have a player or two missing from this Big Ten championship game, is the quarantine protocol – 21 days of the Big Ten, or now that they're out of the Big Ten play, going into the bowl game slash playoff system, is it the 10 day of the NCAA? I think it's 14 days for the Big Ten. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think it's 14. So they still follow um, the uh, Big Ten protocol. I, I believe they will for the most mm-hmm. part, but there's plenty of time between now and then. You know, um, I believe if they get two, three tests in a row, they're negative. They can come back. They can, so they can start working out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's going to be a better game than most people believe. I think Northwestern's a better team than people want to recognize. I think it's going to, it could be a closer game than most anticipate. I don't expect Northwestern to win. Closer I don't expect, meaning... yeah, let's say a, I'm going to just throw out a score here and, mm-hmm. and, 31 10, 35 35 21. You know, they might get one extra touchdown. I, I, I just think they're a better team than people are giving them credit for. Uh, Their defense is fundamentally sound. Yes. Their defense is good. A this, Pat Fitzgerald team is always well coached, it always executes. Um, they're always going to play with a chip on their shoulder. Um, they might give Ohio State problems for the first half or so. Right. Uh, but eventually, I think the athletes are going to win out. Yeah, the talent level, the coaching, and every involved should put Ohio State above. Now, I won't be surprised in the same vein if they won 52 to 6, you know. I wouldn't either. Uh, But I do expect a little closer game. I I just do. I think Northwestern's going to compete better than most people give them credit for. Uh, I think some nationally will hurt Ohio State for that, but not give Northwestern credit for how good they are. Uh, Northwestern is a typical team in – the Big Ten West. What I mean yes. by that is they usually build for a one to two year run with a, a team. 
They can't sustain recruits coming in each and every year to stay mm-hmm. at the highest level. So what you have is the Michigan States, the uh, the Iowa's, the Northwestern. Someone each year steps up and shows that this is their opportunity uh, to compete at this, you know, at the highest level in the Big Ten. And, and they're usually a pretty good program and a good program. And I mean, they're going to win ball games. They're going to they're yeah. going to they're going to have an opportunity like Michigan State did years ago, beating Ohio State. You know, they're going to be a good, solid program, but their window of opportunity is a lot smaller than like Ohio State, which could just is continuously open because yeah. of the level of talent they bring in, uh, the amount of money that, that that program has to do everything they need to do to succeed. I mean, it's, you know, years ago, I mean, you heard, you know, the old saying, it's, it's Michigan, Ohio State, and the eight others, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's Now it's just Ohio State and the 13 others. Yes. Uh, and it, it's strange to say it that way, but it really becomes that. I'm not saying that a, a team can't upset Ohio State because in sports we know anything can happen at it any can, time. Yeah. Do I think just Ohio State talent level and preparation for this game will be, you know, top-notch. Uh, it was disappointing that they couldn't play against Michigan. It's disappointing that they've had three games canceled. We all knew going into this season, the way it, it transpired, this was a possibility. No one thought it would happen to Ohio State, but it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made changes for because the Big Ten's smart. You know, I said this before follow the money. Yep. Big Ten knows darn well they get no money. I mean, the 13 other schools get no money if Ohio State's left out of the top four. Yep, exactly. Because the Big Ten shares that money evenly. So they they want Ohio State to get there. They want Ohio State to win it all because then they'll play in two games, you know, and, yep. just, and a bigger share of the pie. So, um, yeah, that's why the SEC loves when they get two teams in or the ACC if they can get two teams in type scenario. So, um I was not surprised that the Big Ten made an adjustment because it, it's just smart. It's just economically smart, let alone you don't want to penalize a team for rules that were made on a fly, not in that. Exactly. Or, you know, exactly. Under circumstances that normally wouldn't apply. Uh, but in I the would... end, I was happy that they made the correct decision. And I think it's best for college football, too. And let's let's be honest. It's it's a weird year. Uh, if ESPN wasn't so cemented into the contract with the uh, the C the college football playoffs, yes, they could have made changes and expanded. But exactly because they can't renegotiate a contract for one year. We're stuck. Yeah, they didn't want to mess with that. And I get. I mean. Everything comes down to economics and sports nowadays in a lot of ways. Especially this year. Yeah, and most years. But, you know, ESPN had a 12-year contract, and it still has, what, four more years to go to 2024. Yeah. 24, yeah. yeah. So it's not till then that we'll see an expansion of the playoffs, if ever. Because, look, the, the NCAA is not going to give that away. And... ESPN is not going to allow another network to cover other games. I mean, it's just, you know, it's you scratch my back, I scratch yours type scenario, and you you, you protect mm-hmm. your interests. And I and I get that. Unlike baseball and football, or let's use baseball as an example, they expanded their playoffs because they could. 
and they renegotiated with Fox and TBS to get it done. And now they're talking about a possible uh, continuation of that of that expansion of playoffs because they realize there's money to be made to have more teams in the playoffs and that both partners are willing to pay more for it. So, I mean, it, it comes down to everything, but in a perfect world, yeah, you would have expanded the playoffs this year to never have this problem. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Or te- eight teams. Eight. Yeah. And, you know, it's just kind of like Notre Dame. I mean, I don't want to say Notre Dame's on the outside looking in if they lose this week you know, this Saturday afternoon, because I don't think that's the case unless, you know, they, you know, lay an egg, you know, which I don't think will happen. Um, in the same vein, I think they'll make every opportunity to put Clemson in if they have two losses. Yeah. Even though because they, they'll say they lost to the same team twice, but you're going to make them play three times. That don't make sense neither. So uh, I'd rather see a Cincinnati break in versus, uh, Clemson with two losses or whatever the case may be, but I don't expect that to happen. And, you know, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, I expect them both to be in. Uh, I, I truly do. I mean, that's the way I'm looking at yeah. it. I think if Notre Dame can avoid, like you said, the proverbial historic blowout, which they have had in these type of games, right. Um, they should be in. Uh, I would be hopefully if you lose by even 10 to 14, but it's not like a dominating, I think you still should be in. I agree. Um, but if you really want to throw chaos into this, Notre Dame beats Clemson. And then, like you said, who do you take? Do you take a one loss A&M? Do you take a undefeated conference champion, probably Cincinnati? Um, do you take a, a – undefeated usc maybe yeah i don't know do you i mean do you take a coastal carolina you know i yeah actually i uh, don't envy their position if that would happen uh because the safe bet is to put all four teams you have right now in and and make your money and move on you know uh all for all schools and the playoff but if you really like you said chaos truth of the matter is it's eliminate. It should be an elimination game for Clemson. If Clemson loses, they should be out of the top four, regardless. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't expect Florida to beat Alabama. No, I, so no. I mean, and I don't expect Ohio State to lose to Northwestern. Now let me ask you this. But that yep. to me, that's an elimination game for for Clemson. I think Notre Dame survives a loss, but Clemson can't. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, let me ask you this. Say the Big Ten postpones their conference title game. Is Ohio State still in? If they don't play, no. They would be eliminated. But the Big Ten will make sure that – they would even postpone it to Tuesday or Wednesday type scenario to get that game in, in my opinion. They'll, they'll make sure they play that game because it's too – economics, it just it hurts the Big Ten yeah. too much not to play. Uh, Fox wants their money too. They sold all the advertisements for that it, game. And if you listen and re- read between the lines of what Joel Clyde has said in the last couple of weeks, who was Fox's uh, lead color commentator, uh, Fox is not very happy with the Big Ten or the uh, college football playoffs. So, you know, we, well, they're shut out. Yeah. When they used to be the home of the uh, BCS before the BCS went away, uh, Fox right. had four or five year right for that. 
Fox um, has a partnership with the Big Ten through the Big Ten Network and yep. everything else. So that I don't really have a problem. I mean, that's going to stay. Now, will they look to add somebody to their to their roster besides the Big Ten? And and I guess they do have the ACC the Pac, too. The Pac-12. Pac-12, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, something, yeah. I think something like that will happen. But, you know, I know we know the – well, we shouldn't say this. I don't ever expect CBS to let go of the SEC. They are. They're not going to renew their contract? No. Uh, ESPN and the SEC have signed the deal starting in 2023 to be okay. the uh, prime. Well, that home. makes sense that because was... their their network partner is ESPN. Yes. Go ahead and finish. Go ahead and finish your uh, your your statement there. Yeah, in a couple of years when uh, the ESPN and SEC deal kick in, uh, CBS is going to be left without a major conference. I know they still have the American, and they show that on CBS College Sports Network. But it would not shock me, Tim, if the Big Ten, uh, somebody, the Big Twelve, even jumped on with the SEC or with CBS, uh, CBS excuse me. Yeah. Uh, because I believe, you know, the big 12 has some Fox games. Um, they'll usually come on after the Ohio state noon right, game. Right. But um, if you want to put your best games in prime time, that three thirty window on CBS is, um, you know, you can put Oklahoma, Texas, right. you know, Iowa state's getting up there. So it wouldn't shock me if in a couple years, um, CBS and the Big 12 landed the deal together. It makes sense. I mean, you're going to find a partner. There's no way they're going to stay out of college football. It's just too big. They're going to find a conference to partner with, possibly more than one, mm-hmm. and, and go forward. Uh, same with Fox, same with ESPN, same with uh, you know ABC, Disney, whatever you want to call it. It's, it they're, they're going to find somebody. It's just the way it works. It's just so much economic advantage for it. They're not going to not in college sports it's just it's it's a huge huge win for all involved so yeah uh but you look at notre dame coming up this weekend like i said i i consider it an elimination game for for clemson and i and think you get that you kind of get that feeling from uh dabo sweeney too i think he knows that i don't think oh. he, he's he's doing his politicking to try to make sure his team's involved. And I get yeah. that. Hey, yeah. Urban Myers did it when he got yes, shut he out. Did. Yes, he did. You know? You're right. You have to nowadays. I hate saying that you have to be, so you have to, you, ha- you, you know, do. yeah, you have to take care of your team. You know, Jim Trussell did it back when it was at BCS and stuff like that. You'd have to take care of your team. And, and you know, that, you, that's just the way it works. Exactly. You can't have, you don't want your coach to come in and be like, well, we don't deserve to get in now. Like, what do you want a coach to say? Now we don't deserve to get in. Was, no. You go back to the days when they voted on a national title. Every coach was out there politicking yeah. for their for their team to be the national champion when they deserved it. That's or had how the Michigan opportunity. got in. And there was nothing wrong with that. No. You, that's what you do. Uh, you know, I have no problem with that. That's just the way it works. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that was the system. For many years, you know, and then the BCS came involved, and now it's the college football playoffs. So it's getting there. There's so much tradition in football, in these college football, major division one. I think what you're going to see, Anthony, is come 2024 and that, is that you're going to see the the major five football programs or conferences 
form their own association. Alliance, yes. Yes. Yep. And they will deal and make their own rules outside the NCAA. Yep. And I agree with you. It's it's gonna happen. It's just there's so there's so many billions of dollars at stake that they're not gonna they're not gonna do what's best for them. We are going and, down a path here of the group of five and the major five conferences having separate championships. Yeah. And separate playoffs. We've been talking that for years, Anthony. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, we talked about that potential this year because of COVID. Mm-hmm. If you had a spring football season yep. versus a fall one, how do you handle yep. that? How, you know, at the time you were looking at, you know, the Mountain West and the MAC and all them not participating. If you look at some of these uh, uh, group of five schools, Cincinnati, Tulsa, um, Army, um, mm-hmm. Boise State, BYU, Coastal Carolina, Louisiana, I'm probably leaving out a couple. That'd be for one have a playoff, Tim. Oh, yeah. It's, it's Buffalo, I love the, you know, um, uh, Kent State's. It's the higher level season, you know. of the championship uh, series that you see at uh, you know the Youngstown State level. Yes, and it's no different than what's seen in like um, college basketball today. You know the big schools dominate, yep. and they have the talent, they have the players. They're willing to take the player for one year and let them go. Uh, that was the key. Yep. Like I'll be honest, the key was when Duke decided when. When Coach K made the decision, the only way he could compete was to take a Kyrie Irving and mm-hmm. say, yeah, you can come play for me for one season. Well, yeah, yep. The first player to do that out of two. That was a shooter drop, yep. Well, that he knew the only way he could compete against North Carolina and Kansas and other schools was to be in that, t- that same boat. It's just an unfortunate reality. Uh, once the school gave him the okay that he could do that, you know, Duke's never looked back for the most part. And, and and same with the other schools. I mean, you have others, you know, you have a few schools every year that, that rotate in mm-hmm. into that top five slot that are, are a national contender. But for the most part, the same schools that get the best talent for one year still succeed. Yep. Look at, look at what Kentucky has done the last 10 seasons. And it's a perfect example. That is one. They really become the one-year school, and they have for a long time. And, it's, mm-hmm. and, and that's the rules. I, you and I didn't make them. These are the no, rules. That, that's rules. You, you got to do what you, know, right. you got to do what's best for your program to keep them relevant. Right. And, um, and, the, and let's face it, the, the shoe contracts, the TV oh, contracts, God. the apparel contracts are huge for these schools and these coaches, and they have to, they have to have talent to compete. This has just become it's. It's become an arms race, basically. Well, yeah, you have two school, two schools of thought. Okay, if you're the big schools, the the power five schools, you're looking for the mo- the highest talent level players possible. And if mm-hmm. that's a one year and gone, so be it. Yep. If they happen to be a four year student, even better for you. You'll develop them and grow, and they'll be the the uh, the fixture of your program. But you'll always f- fill in with a one or two year p- player. Uh, that has extreme talent to make you that next level team. Mm-hmm. And then you have the teams that have to build for four seasons uh, that have no choice to, to, to compete. And they usually mm-hmm. are junior senior led teams and transfer teams, you know, uh, 
that come out of the Horizon League or the Patriot League or whatever league you're talking about, because that's the only way they can survive is they have to build a team. And, you know, look at what Calhoun has done with Youngstown State, how much that I team has improved bring them up. In, in three years, how, how much talent level has improved on this team. And you can see right now that they're knocking on the doors to compete for the first time really ever at the highest levels of the Horizon League. For the first time ever since they've been in the in the Horizon League this year, you actually feel like come March, let's be honest, you want to play well from now until the conference tournament, but it doesn't really mean much. If you can just get in the conference tournament, all bets are off. All you got to do is play well for one weekend. And, and the key you is feel the, this team can do that. Right. The key is to be successful, to build your program, to win some games, to get your team believing in themselves and mm-hmm. moving forward. You can talk about the competition level that Youngstown faced during this December schedule. Well, every team's just looking to yeah, play you, games. You're right, just looking you're, to play games. Get, yes, exactly. Exactly. So you, you take a game that on, on a 24-hour notice like you did last week. Not the so is the NIAA school. Who cares? You wanted to play. You needed to compete. You went on the road for the same reason because you could get the game. That went to me. Tim was impressive. I know it's Binghamton, and I know they're not great. And I know we've beaten them the last two years. But like you said, to schedule them what that week, yeah, and to play them that week with no scouting report, really, no practice time, no scrimmages. It was Quisenberry's first game back, right? Correct. Because he didn't play Point Park. And Bohannon's first game back. And by the way, Nas Bohannon is uh, trying to win. He is trying to win himself a player of the year. And I am almost the tune. If I'm Calhoun, I'm running my offense for him and Akuche. And I'm uh, opening up uh, Quisberry and Rattan Mays. You know, that was impressive because you just you scheduled them two days before. You're going on the road. With all these virus protocols, testing protocols, quarantining, and all this, no practice time, no, it's just film session, Zoom session, and to get on the court and find a way to win in a game they would have lost last year, in a game they would have lost a couple years ago. You can see that growth, like you said, then you pick up a game less than 24 hours later, you got to travel back, do all the virus protocols all over again. And Ron Patesta, I thought, made a great uh, comment on there. I'm not sure if you listened to the game or not. They don't look like they have their full legs. But you're going to have this come March in the conference tournament. And if you want to play beyond in any type of tournament, you're going to have to play a totally different team you know nothing about on very little rest. Yeah, well, the season's set up for back-to-back games uh, to prevent uh, traveling and, and to make yep. it more successful for teams to play. And, and, I, like and, it. I, thought, and I tell you what, that was a great plan by the Horizon League. I don't know if other schools or other leagues have, have adopted that same philosophy or not, but when I heard that, it made total sense. Smaller um, conferences are going to that this year. Yeah, it makes total sense because, A, you're going to get the kids tested, and they, they're going there. You test exactly. them again. You're keeping them basically in small bubbles each weekend. Yes. And that's that you're- makes total sense. And you're cutting down to travel. So uh, you won't have – half the teams won't travel to you, but – Mm-hmm. You also have back-to-back games at your place too, so I get it. And, I thought uh, it was I thought it was a great idea, and 
No, the Horizon League is is going to be really interesting this year, and I think it's going to be really good. And uh, by the way, uh, I'm not sure he's ever listens to our podcast or not, but uh, congratulations to, to uh, John Vargo. He uh, stepped down from the uh, Tribune. Oh no! Yes, uh, he's going to go work for the. Uh, he covered his last game for YSU this past week, and uh, 22 seasons he covered YSU. So where is he going? Is that the business journal? Business journal, yes. Yeah. Yeah, sound business journal is where he said it. Yes. That's what it's called. <laughs> I couldn't think of what it's called, but yeah. I didn't uh, know that. Uh, I just found out. So we're going to try to get John on anyways, uh, yeah. just to talk YSU, because he knows the program inside yes, out. He does. He's covered it for years. Uh, like he said in his uh, goodbye tweet, um, you know, next time he's at, at the uh, Bigley Center, it'll be as a fan, not as a reporter, but uh, you know, he's, he, <laughs> there's a question. Uh, he's going to be welcome there with uh, open arms and congratulations to him. Yeah. Um, bittersweet there. You're happy. You're thrilled for him to move on to something better and, and a greener pastures and disappointed as a sports fan, because one of the best writers in our area uh, is no longer going to be uh, in the paper. Yeah. He, uh, he's done a hell of a job and his insight into the YSU basketball program has been phenomenal. And I, uh, I'll be honest, Tim, um, when I listen to games, I listen to Rob Schmidt. I'm old school. Hey, I know hey, I can watch it online. No problem but here. I tell you what, he's phenomenal. Uh, so I'll turn on my radio and I'll listen to Rob Schmidt, but I will also uh, have uh, John's Twitter updates going because they're phenomenal. They're just, yeah. Yeah. I, I like reading them. So. Oh yeah. That's a shame. Um, yeah, it is. That's a shame. He done a hell of a job covering the program. Yeah, well, like I said, it's bittersweet. I look at it as a sports fan. I'm happy for him as a person. And, uh, you know, hey, I don't know what his uh, his roles and responsibilities are. So uh, maybe we'll find out uh, uh, next week or something. We'll try to uh, schedule a time to get him on and uh, and talk to John uh, going mm-hmm. forward. But, uh, yeah, I want to give a, a shout out to him real yes. quick and uh, thank him for all the hospitality and uh camaraderie that he's given me over the years truly a a terrific guy and uh but yeah i love where the uh the penguins are headed and and the opportunities in front of them and you know it's a big one it's a big one this week and we don't get the uh we don't get a cupcake to open up just like we don't in football we get northern kentucky who is uh, we've not played well against them it's two games back to back in kentucky so right and sunday's on espn too yes national tv game so uh yeah, and, and this is what this is what you ask for. This is what you hope yes, for. Exactly. This is a, um, a great a great showcase a great showcase yeah. opportunity. Excuse me. I've been hoping for YSU for many years to invest into its basketball program. And they have. And they finally found the right coach who can take them to that next level. Whatever that may be, let's enjoy it while we have it because the last time this team was or this school's basketball program was in the position it's going to be this year was when the Mike Rice was the head coach. I wasn't even born yet. I was just going to say that. I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. I, and I'm 50. I'll be 54 next month. That tells you, you know, how long ago it was. Um, it's been some dark year, some dark winters at Beagley, Tim. Yeah. I mean, I mean some really dark winters. We, they haven't been a basketball school since. And, you know, it, it's like, you know, we finally found our Moses to lead us out of the desert. You know, yeah, and, and let's hope yeah. that's the case because, um, 
You know, this basketball program, I think, uh, like I said, I've had I've had a dream for many years, ever since they became a Division One school, to uh, to make an appearance in the NCAAs. I wa- and back then it was 48 teams, and then it was 54, then 64, then 68, mm-hmm. and I don't even know what it is anymore. But my point is, um, yeah, I, I just I it's my dream as a sports fan to watch Selection Sunday and hearing Youngstown State's name come across the the banner and and the celebration at bigly and all that that's what all i've always wanted and i hope that that dream becomes a reality sooner than later tim i tell you what and uh that is a that's everybody's dream that follows this program that uh, works for the program is to have that selection show party when we can all gather again and not worry about the virus and, you know, gather yeah. inside Beagler, gather inside Stanford, wherever they want to gather at and have a watch party and to see that, that name pop up with that logo and just, you know, feel a sense of pride. I'll tell you what, Tim, and I, you know, I'll set up for an NIT bid right now because a couple of years ago when Val Prison made the NIT, that was big time for us. Oh, you sure. Know, you're guaranteed – Three ESPN games. If you keep winning, you're guaranteed ESPN games. Oh yeah, uh, but no, you're right. No, you. The, you it's make it's, the big it's no different. There were, for example, let's let's put Notre Dame in in this talk mm-hmm. for football. Uh, they never made. I mean, since the college football playoffs have been around, they haven't played for a championship. They they made one semifinal appearance, and that was it. Right. Yeah. This week's game against Clemson is huge for them. Because now they have a chance to control their own destiny and, and to break through and do something that basically has never been done by that school. They have an opportunity to, to under this current regime of Brian Kelly to win a championship. I know, like you said, they got blown out the last time they got there. And look, yeah, the Clemson game a couple of years ago was ugly. Right. That That's was, my uh, point. So here's an opportunity to, to really change the narrative going forward for Notre Dame. You're right. And, You're right. Uh, that's what it's all about, changing the narrative. I can't wait. The only way Ohio State changes its narrative, or excuse me, Youngstown State changes its narrative, is to make the NCAAs. So when? You may so you are yep. probably correct that it's a step process, that you don't usually just make a leap into yeah. there. But this team has a chance to make that leap. So let's go for the leap and settle for being a bridesmaid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the goal don't change. It's the NCAAs. And you're and right. The way you do that is you win the conference championship and meaning the conference championship tournament. So you're right. Everything you're exactly, points to that right. one thing, just as Notre Dame, this weekend's game erases a lot of bad memories. If they say they defeated Clemson twice in one season. Yeah, it's a, you know, um, it raises a lot of bad, but it's still a lot of boosters and alumni will tell you that they only focus on one thing. And I keep telling them, it, it's a process. Like you said, it's a step. Yeah, it's a stepping process. It, it, it's it, a stepping stone. It's You're you know, right. Every- you're right. It is a stepping process. And you are correct. The boosters and all that. And everyone's going to talk about it. And hell, I was the one who called. Brian Kelly, the next Digger Phelps. Yes, you did. So he's going to prove this weekend, is he Digger Phelps or is he Brian Kelly? 
Speaking of Digger Phelps, Tim, uh, today is now I now I'm going to make a lot of people mad when I say this. All right. I'm going to cover this up. All right. I'm going to cover this up for about five minutes. Today's the 25th anniversary of the Miracle on Union Street. And I don't know if you know what that is. Pop my head. No. OK. The Miracle on Union Street is when Valparaiso two and six, the first year under Homer Drew. They were awful. They maybe drew two, three hundred people. They got 16th ranked Notre Dame and Lafonso Ellis into the arc, and they beat them on a last second shot. Wow. They beat them, and still to this day, every year, the Northwest Indiana Times writes an article about it. Um, and every year, they reach out to a couple of the Valpo guys and LaFonso Ello speaks on it and another Notre Dame player speaks on it. And they, every year, reach out to Digger and Digger has not, he's ignored every single one. It's tough to talk about a tough loss, a defining and, loss. Uh, and uh, I, I just read this year's article and it, it said along the lines of Digger, if you're out there reading this somewhere, there's always room for you at the Ark. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And, and that's where Brian Kelly's at right now. Yeah. He, he, you know, he has had an amazing run at Notre Dame longer than most people anticipated. And he has succeeded at a high level. Give him credit where credit is due. But as you just mentioned in Notre Dame, you are judged by championships and they have not played for many in the last 25 years and they have not, competed for many and that roadblock is saturday afternoon against clemson and that's where we're at for notre dame and i hate to be this person because i know i'm gonna irritate a lot of other notre dame fans when i say this but your first step isn't even winning this game you want to win obviously but your first step is competing because like we've talked about you have not competed in these situations yes you beat clemson you beat Oklahoma a couple years ago, but in an opportunity like this, when you're on national stage, the number two team in the country, winning your in, you have not competed. And it's not they have not competed. It's they've been blown out of the stadium before the first quarter's even over. And it's time to put up or shut up Saturday. Well, it's, you're right. And hey, look, in order to win, you have to compete, meaning you have to yeah. be in the ball game. I mean, yes. sometimes you dominate a team, and that's fantastic. There's nothing better than knowing that in the second quarter, the game's over, and it's, you just yes. have to run out the clock. Yes. There's nothing better than it being in a situation where the Browns were up 38-7 to against Tennessee, knowing the game was basically over. Uh, that is, that, that's, that's a great feeling. And I, I hope that happens for Notre Dame, where they get up to, they just blow them out and, 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 and cut, cut them off at the knees. Most likely, that's not going to happen. Most likely, it is a game that's going to come down to the fourth quarter and making plays. And it's going to come down to what I just said earlier, making someone making big plays, either offensively, defensively, or special teams when it matters most. Uh, and the team that is successful there will probably end up with the W. And that is, you know, really boring answer, but it's the truth. No, you're right. And uh, I, like I said, I'll be rooting for Notre Dame. I always do other than where they play Ohio state and 
you know, I, I'm not jinxing either team. Let's just hope they meet, in, you know, in the uh, second week of January. Oh, come on, Tim. We're Jim Trestle fans. We like a nail-biter. <laughs> we like a nail-biter down the wire with the team you're supposed to blow out, but you let them hang around, hang around, hang around. Oh, we love that fourth quarter comeback, <laughs> go to overtime. You know that- what? You know what? Yeah, it just made me laugh because uh, uh, you ever see the movie Rounders? No. You need to watch it. Um, I have it on DVD. I'll have to lend it to you. It's basically about a, a young a young man who uh, plays poker, right? Okay. Uh, in New York City in the underground. This is back 1995, 96, okay? Uh, Matt Damon, one of his breakout movies, okay? Uh, plays the star. The the villain of the game is the guy who owns the the club that he's playing at that he lost mm-hmm. ten thousand dollars earlier in in the show in the movie okay so now here comes the rematch and uh the character goes he just keeps hanging around hanging around he's making <laughs> blood you know and, it, and you, when you're saying that it made me laugh because that's what first came to my mind and all of a sudden it came right back he's just hanging around hanging around i can't get rid of him you know and um sure enough mike Dermerick, uh matt damon's character not to give the way to movie everyone's seen it it's on tv everywhere he wins okay um <laughs> needless to say um uh, it's a great movie a lot of a lot of a lot of uh great action in that movie and uh i i recommend it highly and uh you mean a uh bringing up jim trestle and teams hanging around uh you need to just see it for that 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 scene alone and you'll forever be hear this russian accent in your head <laughs> He's just hanging around, hanging around. I can't get rid of him. He Come on, what a blowout. Demon blood. Blowouts are. He has demon blood in him, or whatever the hell he said. I can't remember exactly. I'm not a. I'm not one of these guys who quote movies uh, back and forth. But we don't uh, know what blowouts are. Uh, yeah, we do. If you're a Trestle fan, you you've seen a few of them. Yeah, twenty-one nothing. Oh no! Hey, hey, when hey, they face I'll the. I'll say this. I'll say this. You're right, we have seen a lot of yes, that was an absolute butt kick. I think we just sacked him again. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately. Yeah. I went back, Tim, and I watched the 93 game when we won 17 to 5. Right. And I get 17 to 5 is a two touchdown game. That's just two touchdowns. The next point you lose the game. But 17 to 5, that game was over too soon. Yes. There was no way Marshall would even compete in that team. No. That was that was the a prototypical Jim Trestle blowout back in those days. Uh, yeah. It was touchdown, touchdown, field goal, and then it was just you know squeeze the the juice out of them. Jim Trestle's career, and I have never gone through every game at Ohio State or at Youngstown State. There was two factors that you almost count on: a a comeback. Mm-hmm. Or B, yep. a a uh, a squeaky victory, and yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you know, and it happened many times in his oh, career. Too many Every times. game, you know, uh, the first championship against Marshall was a comeback win. Yeah, uh, against Miami in in the Orange Bowl was a comeback yeah. win. Uh, the first Michigan game was a comeback win. So comeback win, yeah. You know, the it was part of his DNA uh, as a coach. Uh, his he, their teams are always put in situations around, to make plays. Yeah. But you're right that that game with Marshall was 
not as close as that score goes. Oh. It was 14 to three the entire game until he stepped yeah. out of bounds, uh, yeah. you know, just to give him two points at the end of the ball game. So it was a, uh, yeah, you know, you're correct. And uh, to finish this off, I know I read a comment of yours where uh, Bill Boren told you what the most important play in football was. Jim Trussell agrees. And yeah. I do too. I do too. <laughs> you know I'm what? I'm not, glad you brought I'm up Bill Boren. Of the uh, you, you know what? I think offense, the punt is the most important play in football. I will say this. I understand the thought. And it's, it was, it was really fun to talk to him years ago about that. Um, but my hat's off to the man. I mean, he's 86 yeah. years old, 86 years going. old. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. 86 years old and has not been a head coach in about 10 years. And he's been hired as a head coach. Damn right. He has good for him, man. Oh, fantastic for him. for him. You know what? I Hey, it keeps him young. It keeps him vibrant. This is what he loves to do. I'm, you know, like I said, you can break down any coach and argue about certain things about how they do exactly. things or what. And I'm not here to to poke holes in, in a man who's had a fantastic career. But I have to ask this question, too. When the best man to hire for the job is an 86-year-old man. What are you doing? Are we as a football town, as a football area, hit its all-time low because we don't have a, a 28-year-old man exactly. who's ready for that job to take over and win. Or some booster came along and said, hey, I, it, it, it's, uh, I would think they have to open up the school first. I, I don't know. That was uh, puzzling when I read that. Well, here's, here's the thing. Um, Bill Boren, his record speaks for itself and his, all the stops that he's been at, he's been successful for the most part. And there's nothing, I'm not here poking holes in what he has achieved. I think the real question is in the year 2021, when he becomes the next head coach of Matthews and Matthews Mm -hmm. traditionally has not had many very successful programs. They're going to compete at the best level they can. And then if he's there two, three years from now, I imagine they will be a minimum 500, if not better team, maybe even next year. And that's just the truth. But I think the real question I have is not that Bill Boring still can do the job is that you can't find somebody who deserves the job and the opportunity who can make the difference. Yes. Right. At Matthews. And I, maybe that can't be done. Maybe he's the best they can do. Maybe he's the only one in pride for the job. I don't know these exactly. questions. Yeah. The answers to these questions. It doesn't matter. He accepted the opportunity. He wanted the opportunity. I don't know in Ohio high school football history if there's ever been a person of this age ever hired as a head coach. I'm not saying not coached or be the head coach because maybe he have been there 50 years. You know, and he's in his 80s. He's still the head coach. That that happens. But this is a man who's been hired to restart a program at 86. God bless him. You know. Yeah. Hey. More power to him. I wish exactly. him well. And uh, it, but my my real question is, uh, to Matt. Yeah. Long term. I, I hope what there's a like, yeah. You better have a plan in in progress. And uh, hopefully they do. But yeah, I, you know, give him credit where credit is due. And uh, 
I'm not necessarily would have made the hire because I probably would have gone with someone younger and maybe even a first time head coach. Yeah. But then again, you, here's a guy on the verge of 300 wins in his career. So if he wants to coach, it's kind of tough to Let say him no. coach. Yeah. 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 It's just the way. Let him goes. coach. All right. One more subject to get to real quick here. Uh, we'll leave it to the last. I had it as my lead off, but we'll leave yeah. it to the last. Uh, the Cleveland baseball club is still the Cleveland Indians for one more year. Uh, and then they will take this uh, year of 2021 to explore other opportunities with the new nickname and move forward from there. It'll have nothing to do with indigenous America, which is fine. I have no problems with that. Uh, we made our, our points many months ago. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm, I'm in the belief that they should have just ripped the bandaid off like the Redskins did and, mm-hmm. and just get rid of it now. And I'd rather be the Cleveland baseball club or the Cleveland baseball team or whatever we want to call it for one year and move forward. And if you become the spiders or whatever they may be choose to become uh, the steamers, there's a lot of different names out there. I yes. don't care. Uh, that's fine too. Uh, Do you have a top three list of what you want? No, no, I have zero. No, I honestly, God, I, for the most part, I could care less. I'll probably like, a really, no matter what, but it'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've never been good on nicknames anyway. So, you know, when teams, I'll give like, you three. Well, let me put it this way: you go back here to Youngstown uh, when uh, the World Basketball League was around. Mm-hmm. I thought the worst name in the world was Pride. <laughs> yeah, I did. I heard, when I heard that, I said, "Oh, you got to be freaking kidding me!" <laughs> All right, and it worked well. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not here to, you know, I'll probably pick the wrong one anyway. So let's do a marketing program. Let's have fun with the fans. Let's see what we come up with. Hey. Uh, I I guess if I had to put one that I'm willing to accept, it's the Spiders, just because spiders. of the history with the Cleveland. But, you know, hey, maybe we come the Blue Sox. I really don't know. If they want to, uh, you know, if they're picking a new nickname, they might as well talk to the people down here in Youngstown. We've had some really cool nicknames. Penguins, the only college team to have penguins. Right. Uh, the uh, one of two to only have penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. Um, the Scrappers, an awesome nickname. I mean, phenomenal logo, phenomenal nickname. Uh, the Phantoms, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the Steel Hounds, when they were around, that was awesome. And Mahoning Valley Thunder. And then my all-time favorite, and it oozes Youngstown, was the defunct, never played a game, Mahoning Valley Hitman. How Youngstown is that? Yeah, well, you know, I, but, I, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you two more uh, okay. Youngstown nicknames. So uh, well, two more Youngstown nicknames. Okay. The defunct uh, Ted Steffian Basketball League, the Youngstown Hawks that lasted for half a season. Okay. And the immortal semi-professional football team, the Youngstown Hard Hats. Yes, that's right. You're and right. of course, and, I would and, I'd hate not to mention our good friend, Jim yes. uh, Craven and his Mahoning the, Valley, or excuse me, I, I did it again, the Western Reserve <laughs> Scourge. How awesome is that? Scourge. Like, here come the Scourge. Actually, he's selling for the right price. I'm going to give you my top three, and it's not in any particular order. I'm going to go Guardians, because the Guardians Memorial Bridge. I think that's cool. I think you could have a cool logo with that. Uh, 
but we'd probably just choose a stupid block C still or a block G. Um, I'm kind of growing on the Commodores because of a uh, Commodore Perry. I like that, mm-hmm. but I think my personal favorite, and it's already been in the organization once, the Cleveland Arrows. I got a I good love feeling. That. Yeah, I, I got a good feeling they'll stay away from that one because of any because, possible yeah, connection Arrow, yeah. to uh, American Indians. Okay, um, I just. But I think even if it's like an orbit thing, again, um, why not? choose a space um emblem type thing because like cleveland challengers right well something of no, that the challenger be- yeah right, because what I'm, well let me finish here my my point about space is there's yeah. that there's a nasa uh facility in cleveland uh we had at one time the most astronauts from one state were from ohio uh obviously neil armstrong was from ohio yes john glenn was from ohio, from ohio um yep. you know and and there's probably others that i and i can't name off the top of my head but uh maybe the space program type uh connection could yeah. be made uh, i'm not saying what it about, will it's just you know a thought process what about something to do with like lake erie too and the walleye or yeah i'm not I, interested I no i'm not interested yeah in i don't yeah I don't want a fish or an animal. I just don't want that. I guess that's where the steamers could come in, but you know, I yeah, don't you know. Personally, no. The steamers just it's just I, we'll see. Supposedly they have some ideas that they really like. Uh, I have no idea. They say they don't, so we'll see. Um I'm I'm okay with it. I've been okay with it for a few years, even prior to the announcement. I've you know, when Chief Wahoo went away a few years back, everyone got upset. I prepared myself a, a year or two earlier for that uh, during the uh, 2016 run when we seen some of the uprising against yeah. Chief Wahoo then. And when they, in 2018, decided to do rid with it, it made sense. Uh, I didn't have a mm-hmm. problem with that. You know, they've been working their way towards this goal. And now here we are. Hey, they'll always be the Cleveland Indians because they were there for 105 years. And that's part of their history. They'll never ever not be part of baseball legend and part of baseball and part of Cleveland history, but to turn the page and to have a new name, I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. Um, we're fortunate in Cleveland. We were able to keep the Browns. Uh, look at Oakland. They lost the Raiders twice. Look, you know, at others, you know, the Colts, what does Indianapolis have to do with anything about the Colts for Christ's sake? Yep. You know, uh, the Utah Jazz. That team was from New Orleans. Yep. Okay. Let's 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 put it in perspective here. Um, we're fortunate in Northeast Ohio. We get we're able to keep the Browns because it meant something to the organiz- to the city and to the fans and to the NFL. Uh, Baltimore Browns makes no sense. Baltimore Ravens have a nice ring to it, and they've made it their yep. own success. So. I don't have a problem. Uh, you know, Las Vegas Raiders just sounds weird. And yeah, it, I it, have nothing against Raiders it. sounds odd. Well, I mean, they are a team that has been a nomad team. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's just the way it is. They, whoever gives them the money is where they, they put up their, uh, their tent and they have yep. for years and they will 50 years from now. Uh, if they need to move from Vegas, they will. Uh, 
you know, it's just like uh, when when the Vegas Golden Knights came about, I didn't jump on the bandwagon because of the Golden Knights. I was like, okay, yeah. that's different. You know, it's just the team, you know, gravitated to me. The team mm-hmm. finds you as much as you find them. And, yeah. you know, uh, history matters, you know, and, and you go from there. Uh, I'm okay. I'm excited. Um, you know, you can be stupid or you can, um, you can be nostalgic and not give up your history as an Indians fan, or you can be in the present and recognize that everything moves on. Everything has an opportunity for change and change is not a terrible thing. Most of the, it does not change the goal of having parade down Carnegie period. No. Bottom line is, I guess we have one more year to try to win a world series with the Indians in our lifetime. If it happens, fantastic. If it doesn't happen, I'm the goal still there. Yeah, it's time to turn the page and move forward. The goal's and, still there. Yeah, you look. The history of this organization continues on. The history of the of the Washington football team will continue on. Um, it's okay. Name change happened. There's times where an owner bought a team and changed the name. Yeah. In sports. So uh, you know, the Philadelphia A's. We're in Kansas City, and then mm-hmm. they moved out to Oakland. So, you know, teams move around. Um, it just it, names are not forever in sports. Uh, even at the collegiate level, teams have changed names. So, hey, accept it or fight it all you want. Uh, it you can, you know, be left behind. Basically, it's you know, Grisel never steps foot in in. Uh, progressive field again or the jake as some people still call mm-hmm. it and i still call it at times guess what someone will take that seat for you yeah exactly and I'm, that's and I'm that's just the way my tickets that's just the way it works i learned that i learned that with the browns i was i and heartbroken and pissed off didn't want to watch the nfl and all that when the browns left but guess what even it can happen to your team. I hope it doesn't happen to any team or any city, mm-hmm. but it could happen and it has happened and it will happen again. Good thing is, you know, you have an opportunity to still root for baseball and that's all that matters. Exactly. To me. And exactly. I, you know, I'm not going to get upset. I'm just glad they finally made the announcement. I just wish they were a little bit more organized when they did it. And so they just making it a, uh, letting the New York times do it for them yep. and uh, just releasing a statement uh, and not coming out and definitive answers uh, right away. I thought they kind of missed the opportunity there to control their own narrative, as I like to say, but you know, that's part of being in the media, getting a scoop and, and running with it. Yep. You're exactly right. Anthony, I think we talked about everything. I don't can't think of anything else to say. I think we talked about the whole wide world of sports. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Matter of fact, uh, not knowing your schedule, either uh, Monday or Sunday night or Monday, or probably not Sunday night because of the football game, but maybe Monday or Tuesday next week. Uh, Yeah. Get back to me on that. Sunday (laughs) could work good. You know, know, Sunday could work good. Um, I I got promoted at work, so it's going to be – uh, congratulations craziness here thank you thank you and i gotta train somebody to take our what i used to do so it's gonna be crazy hours for, uh sunday night would probably work good 
Well, well maybe After we'll do it before the Browns game or something. After the YSU game. That's a great yeah, idea. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Yep. All right. So with that in mind, and you heard us just discuss our our future thought processes <laughs> on our next podcast for episode 125, <laughs> I want to thank Anthony and you for downloading. Uh, give us five stars on uh, iTunes podcast thing or whatever. Uh, tell your family, friends, and enemies, and help us continue to grow Radio MVP. So for Anthony and Canfield, I am Tim here in Mormon. Wishing you all a good day. We'll talk to you soon right here on Radio MVP. Peace.